It's time to dig in and discuss the questions on the minds of today's leaders. You are listening to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. This is where we get vulnerable, raw, and authentic about the stuff that really matters. Now, here is your host, Kathleen Reeson. Hello, welcome to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. And today I have a show for you that's about the number one idea killer and how to avoid it. That's right, the idea killer. It is not something that is outside of us. It actually is something that we are creating ourselves. And I have lots of stories around this because this is something that I have used this idea killer without even knowing it so many times. And I'm committed to not using it anymore and to sharing with you and being vulnerable and saying, this is what an idea killer is. And again, it's nothing scientific. I'm going to tell you what it is right now. You could write it down. If you stop the show right now, you would still have created value. And the idea killer truly is our own judgment. It's not even about what other people think. It's our own judgment. And I'm going to walk you through a process that I've done that probably many of you have or maybe desire to do. So I wrote a book in 2020. I actually wrote the book a long time before that, but I released it in 2020. And what I'm even telling you about has nothing to do with that book, but it has everything to do with today. So I, I write this book in my, you know, it got released in 2020, but I, I really actually probably wrote the book in a series of six months and then I edited it and the whole process took about two years. So this book, I have it in front of me. If, if you can see it, if you're watching via video, you'll see me holding it up. It's called Joy in Uncertainty, A Guide to Creating a Meaningful Life. And while this is a valuable book, this is more of my personal story. And it shares, if you were to read this book, it would share with you some of the experiences that I've been through and why I think the way that I do. But the book that I'm writing now and in this, if you would have asked me, even in last week's show, this wasn't really a thought. It all kind of came together. Yes, was I going to write another book? Absolutely. Once you write one book, you realize, oh, the second one will be so much easier. I've heard people that have 60, 70, 80 books. They talk about how the first book is the book you really don't want anyone to buy. But the second, the third, the fourth, it gets a lot easier. And so I, I could sit here and say, wow, you know, great. I have one book, but I know people that have 87 books. And so I could easily judge myself because, oh, Kathleen, you only have one book. But how many people in this world don't even have that? There's nothing wrong with that. But if that's the standard to which I'm setting is, but this person has 87 books, I'm a failure. You can see where my judgment isn't serving me. And so that was number one. I saw, wow, just your mindset in this judgment and where that's coming up. Well, you only have one book, Kathleen. Well, big deal. Okay, so, so let's just get over that part. And I knew that I was going to write a second book. But I didn't know what the book was going to be or when it was going to be or any of it. I just knew that there would be a second book in with my name attached to it. That was it. It might have even been a co-authored book with other people. I don't know. I just knew a second book was coming. And I went to this mastermind last week in Vegas. And one of the uh, conversations that I had during this mastermind, and let me even pause there. I have had this conversation with a couple people where I say I went to a mastermind in Vegas and I've had enough people say to me, Kathleen, what's a mastermind that I realize, okay, even that I'm not explaining mastermind. So let me pause and explain what a mastermind is. A mastermind is a group of people that get together. So we have some kind of similar connection. In our case, this was through the National Speakers Association. It was a group I'm a part of, but we're all part of the National Speakers Association. So that's our commonality. 
we either use speaking, coaching, facilitating, or consulting as our main business lines. For me, I use a combination of all of those in the work that I do. And so all of the people that were at this mastermind, and typically it's a smaller group, so mine had 25 in it, we all get together and we talk about what we're up to and we share our constraints and our concerns and our challenges within business or life, and we work together to solve them. And in one of the sessions, one of the guys that I was listening to, you, he was sharing about some of the stuff that he's up to, totally different business model than what I have. He talks about how he approaches his business. And I thought, well, gosh, it would be so nice to be so crystal clear about audience and messaging and having all of that be really crystal clear. And so I raised my hand and I said, hey, I'm wondering how I could apply the strategy. It wasn't about the, me the mechanism of how he went to business because he was actually in the business of REITs, which is real estate investment trusts. That's what he did. So investing in properties with groups of people. It wasn't that. I do think that that is fascinating, but that, that's not my line of business. And my question wasn't about that. It was about how he pulled his audience forward. And so I heard this and I realized from something that he was saying that I could apply a technique very similar to what he was using, but in a totally different industry, in a totally different space, and actually point it to an audience and pull them forward. It was huge. I hear this last Wednesday, last Wednesday, so a week and a half ago, and I was catching a flight early in the morning. The mastermind was actually three days. I was only there for two, though, and I was catching a flight because I got to come back for a band concert, and I was not going to be late for that band concert. So it was for my kids. And they haven't had one in two years. We're so excited to have a band concert. So I want to get to sleep because here it is midnight and I have a flight that I need to be at the airport at 4 a.m. So four hours from now. But when inspiration strikes, you move with it. So I'm not going to judge myself. And, and that was part of it. Like, yeah, when we're talking about this idea killer, it's easy to judge ourselves and says, and say, but it's midnight. You're supposed to be on a plane. Get some sleep. You know what? what I've learned in my life is with inspiration strikes, you roll with it. So here I am in my hotel room at midnight. I didn't even, I wasn't at this mastermind long enough. I just brought a notebook. I did not bring my laptop. And so typically what I would do with inspiration strikes, I pop open my laptop and I would start writing. But I didn't have that resource. I had my notebook. So I got my notebook out. And I didn't have pencils, I had pens, colored pens. I love colored pens. They really echo my personality, they're bright. And so I had these colored pens. And I sat down and I wasn't tired even though it was midnight, but I was, I was lit up because this inspiration was flowing out of me. And I said, what are the 10 things of the, the path that I have learned? If I could go back to an earlier version of me and I could teach these 10 things, what are they? And I started writing them out, it was very easy because it was just flowing out of me. And I wasn't in judgment of it. If I had, was on my computer, what I would have done was get to one, two, three. Mm, I don't know, should I keep three or not? I'll just delete it. And I would have been in judgment of what I would have written, but I didn't have an eraser on my pencil. I didn't have my computer. I just had a marker. So the only opportunity I had was to cross it out. And I was determined to just get it on paper and then I could edit it. Brilliant. I mean, this was, I could have planned this better if I had, and I didn't. So here I am, it's now about 12.30 and my 10 items are on the paper. And then I shut the notebook. I put it in my bag and I just let it be. 
I got a couple hours of sleep. And then I got up and got to the airport. We were loading our plane. I got my notebook. I put it in the front part of, I had my backpack with me. I put it in the front part of my backpack so that I could get it when I sat down. And as soon as I got my seatbelt buckled and the ladies beside me were sat down. So I was in my seat, got my notebook out. And I thought, oh, I'll just write a little bit. I'll just see what flows. Now this was a two and a half hour flight. It was a direct flight to my house. And I wrote the entire time. I was using an orange marker by the end. The orange marker was almost dead. So I was, I had almost written it all out. I had used almost the entire pen. But of those 10 principles that I had identified the night before, I was through my writing of number four. So I was 40% complete with my writing. Now, I didn't judge it because I didn't have a pencil, because I didn't have delete. I wasn't able to kill my ideas. I just let it flow. At the end of the flight, this lady looks over at me and she says, if you can text as fast as you can write, you're a fast texter. And I looked at her and I said, ma'am, you should hear me talk. She just smiled because in my mind, I knew that I could talk faster than I could write and faster than I could ever text. So it really, it really made me laugh. And her intention and what she was saying that landed with me was, wow, you've been writing this entire time. Now, I don't normally write that much. So my hand was starting to cramp just a little bit. But what an experience to not judge your ideas and just let them flow. So I got home and I thought, well, now I'm going to put this all into my computer. That's the next thing I'll do. And then I'll write, I'll keep going. But this was on a Thursday. And I got home. And I got right in to activities. I'm, it was all kinds of stuff I got to step into. Like kids activities, things I got to do at home, some things I got to wrap up for work, all kinds of stuff. And then Friday happens and the same thing. And all of a sudden I hadn't created time to do anything with this book, to type this up because this wasn't on my radar. It wasn't something that I'd set a deadline for earlier. It was something that I was tucking into my free spots. So Friday, nothing happened with the book. And then my kids come home from school, Saturday and Sunday happens again, nothing with this book. So as I'm looking at what the week I get to have ahead, I decided to create an open pocket of time to really get this book going. And I had a two hour pocket of time on last Monday. It's okay, this could be my time. But I wasn't gonna spend that time opening up my computer and repeating this process. What I did was I took my notebook and a new orange pen, I stuck with orange, a new orange pen, and I kept going. And guess what? I got through principle seven. And now it's pretty excited because that meant I was 70% complete to get to rough draft. So I say to my husband, I am gonna have this book done by Friday. This is very exciting, it's gonna be complete. And he just says, yeah, that's great, great. So the next day, I had a completely full day. No time on the schedule to write. And I'm thinking, how am I going to accomplish this this week? I had a conference I was going to that day. I went to the morning session. I saw the people that I wanted to see. And I could feel inspiration striking. And I knew that I had given my commitment to the conference. I was good. And so I stepped out and I went to a coffee shop. 
And I spent another two hours completing the book. Two rough draft stage. It's not ready to be released yet. But I didn't judge myself in that whole process. I just let it flow. And I wonder how often we judge ourselves. As somebody, I'm 40, you can think about your own age, but my entire life, I was in second grade when we got our first computer. And I remember my dad saying to me when I was in second grade, I, I was really enjoying writing at that age. I thought I wanted to be an author, but I was going to write more like mystery books. And I sat down at the computer when I first learned how to actually use a computer, and I would just start typing. And my dad said to me, I'm so surprised at how you can just sit down on a blank screen and just write. And I didn't know any other way. And for the rest of my life, I haven't known any other way. Yes, I've appreciated notebooks. Yes, I've taken notes. But I've never just free-flowing let that fall out onto the pages. I go to the computer first. And what I realize is in the computer, it's so easy to judge yourself. It's so easy to use perfection to make something perfect, even spelling. I watch my kids who we've been really cognizant about giving them both choices, pen, drawing, paper, and the computer. And I watch them, they type, and spell check is lighting up every other word because they're just typing and then they're missing the words, but they're not going back and correcting it. And they say, but mom, just wait, I'll take care of that at the end. Where me, I type a sentence and I don't get it correct. I'm deleting that sentence to fix the incorrect word and then move on. Where am I judging myself? Where am I not even letting most of the words not even get out on the page because perfectionism stands in the way? So the number one idea killer is our own judgment. It's not even what other people think because most of the stuff that we think, believe, see, and feel don't even get to other people because we have created our own filter of judgment before that. Yeah, this stuff's real. So I've got some tools, some tips, some tricks. One of them we've already talked about, write it down. Use the power of a notebook and let ideas flow. When inspiration strikes, run with it. But I've got a few other tools that can support you with this and you can use these for yourself. You can share them around the office with your coworkers, with your employees, because they're very supportive. But we're gonna go on a quick break before we get there. You're listening to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. I'll be right back after this break. Are you enjoying the conversations on The Kathleen Reeson Show? Kathleen speaks both in person and virtually at companies, conferences, and retreats all over the world. Learn about booking Kathleen Reeson for your next event at KathleenReeson.com. That's KathleenReeson.com. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email become a host at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. 
Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. I'm your host, Kathleen Reeson. And today we've been talking all about the number one idea killer, and that is judgment. Not even judgment of other people, but our own judgment. How often do we judge our own things? our own actions, our own thoughts, our own beliefs? How often do we not even speak because we're afraid of what it might sound like or how somebody else might interpret it? We are judging and we're projecting all over our thoughts and our beliefs, and it just doesn't work. Think about in the office or with your coworkers, how many times do you think, oh, this is how I would handle this, or I have an idea, but we don't even let it out. I mean, let me even get more to a sensitive topic. Look at what just happened with gun control issues. Like, look at what just happened in Texas. I think about the school shootings and it truly makes my heart hurt. Now, do I have opinions on what could be done? I have thoughts. I don't know whether they're right or wrong. I don't know. I don't think any of us know exactly how to solve the challenge, but I think we all come at it from a different angle. But why don't we speak up about that? I can tell you why I don't always speak up about it. Because there's a fear that we're going to be torn down. And maybe that's the case. I have spoken up and I have been torn down because of it. But it didn't kill me. And let me tell you, if I could potentially save a child's life because of an idea or a thought that I had, and then I get to release it into the world. Me holding back my thoughts, feelings, or beliefs aren't serving anyone. So it's so important that we lose this judgment of ourselves. And we really, can that is the number one idea killer. So I'm going to share with you an experience that happened with me last night. And I was asked this question this morning. And, and I was in another interview. And I was, I was being interviewed and said, how do you, what do you think is the biggest thing that's in the way from us and, and truly like not judging ourselves? And I said, I, I think it's an element of trust. So we all go about our lives, our work lives, our personal lives, all that. We go about our lives. They're just, they're just lives. We don't have to condition it with personal or professional. But I think we all go about it and we're planting these seeds. So every time that I do something nice for somebody else or I show up as kind or compassionate or I'm into the work that I do in my world, whatever it is, I'm planting a seed. Now, I don't often get to see the fruits of that labor. I don't see the garden that it produces. But I know that when I stand in in what I know to be true and when I don't judge myself and I just share with the world who I am and what I'm up to and I give my gifts freely, I know that I'm planting seeds. And something pretty cool happened last night. My middle son, he came home from school and he says, mom, I have homework tonight. I've already done it, but I need you and dad to review my work. That's part of my homework. You have to sign off on it. I'm like, yeah, okay. And then at about eight o'clock at night, he goes, mom, is now a good time to show you my homework? Yep. Sounds great. So he gets out his Chromebook and he plugs it into the TV. So my husband and I both have a really good view of the TV. I think, okay, I have no idea what's happening here, but that's cool. And I realize what he's sharing with us is his presentation he wrote on our state. We live in Iowa, so this was on the state of Iowa. I thought, this is 
fun. I, I knew he was working on it, but I didn't know we would get to see it. So cool. So he is working on this, this project. He's showing us the state motto and the flag and the state tree and the flower, all these different pieces of the state of Iowa. He was using this curator voice, like if he was in a museum and he pretended that his slides were paintings. So it was really funny too. We enjoyed getting to see his character and his being really come out as he was giving this presentation. And he got to the last few slides and it was about famous Iowans. I thought, well, this is, this is pretty cool. I wonder how he will see Iowans that are famous. What does he think a famous Iowan is? Because I know what my belief of a famous Iowan is, but I was wondering what, when he hears the word famous, what does he think of it? He grows up, he grew up in a very different environment than I did. His social media, his access to different information. So I was really curious as to what he believed a famous Iowan was. So he showed the first two. One was Elijah Wood. I don't remember who the first one was, but he was showing these famous Iowans. And I thought, well, this is really neat. And then he says, close your eyes, mom and dad. So we both did. He said, I don't want you to see it until I tell you. Okay. So we did. Had our eyes closed and covered. And he got to the next slide and he says, okay, open them. And on the slide was my name and my picture. And then there were six bullet points about what made me a famous Iowan. And that was so cool that, that how he saw famous Iowans, he put me there. And then I looked at the, all the bullet points and he, he went through them with me and they were very sweet. <laughs> One of my favorites was number three. And it said, not super well-known, but still known. Not super well-known, but still known. And I, the inside of me was bursting out laughing, but I didn't want him to think that it wasn't being kind or compassionate. So I, I really, that was not the outside of me. And uh, so even just seeing, thinking about it now, it makes me laugh, makes me smile. And I said, well, tell me more about that. And he goes, well, I asked my friends if they knew you had a radio show. And they didn't know. So you're not that famous, but you're kind of famous. <laughs> so I realized that my work with the uh, tween audience really gets to get the preteen really gets to increase because they don't know who I am. Now that they're not my audience, obviously they're not going to buy <laughs> this, my, my work, but it's important to him that his friends know that his mom has a radio show. So I guess I should do some work in that area. So anyway, the whole thing made me laugh. It was so cute. But that was a glimpse into a garden that I have grown. So I've really poured into my children, like I'm sure that, that a lot of other parents do, like probably you do if you have children. And I got to see the fruits of that labor. But when we're talking about idea killers, there's no room for that here. Like with my kids, I just get to be open and honest and pouring out. So we're planting seeds everywhere and we never know when those seeds are going to open up. I don't know in today's show which piece is going to land with you. It might have been something that was said in the first minute of the show and nothing else in the entire show is going to land with you but that. Or it may be something that I haven't even said yet. But if I'm going through a filter of projecting and, say, and judging on myself and saying, oh, well, I don't think they're going to want to hear this. Don't say that part. One, it would significantly slow me down. And two, that's kind of self-centered because I'm now filtering 
what I think is best for you to hear. And so actually just giving my thoughts freely in a forum where that's accepted is me serving. And so think about that. How often are you putting that filter over your mouth or even over your brain? And so your ideas, thoughts, and feelings and beliefs don't come out in a way. I'm not saying go post everything everywhere, get a billboard with your thought, feeling, or belief on it. I'm saying in a forum that is the place to give that message, give it. And especially if somebody asks for it, give it freely. One, it's very freeing for you. And two, it's serving someone else. The words that really supported me when I was writing my first book, a friend of mine said, every word you delete off the page, someone is praying to hear. Every word you delete off that page, someone is praying to hear. Whoa, when I heard that, that really opened up a space for me to say, what are you doing? Quit judging. Right now, the the space that you're in is just in flow. Let it come out. Even going through this process that I'm going through now, I hand wrote the entire book, but it gets to go into an electronic format. Could I hire someone to do that? Absolutely. But it's not about that. It's about me seeing it and me articulating it and looking for areas where I could expand. But it doesn't mean that I do in that moment. That's why there is a comment box in electronic communication, like Word or Google Docs, whatever you use to put your communication. Edit by saying, add more here, rethink this, whatever your, whatever your comment is, you can capture it, but don't let that stop you from getting your idea flow out. That's what's key. Even times where journaling, a lot of people are into journaling and a lot of people use notebooks for journaling. So again, the same concept that we've been talking about, but really the key here is that we're letting information flow out of us. And so when I think about that, I often wonder for myself, but for others too, do we know the physical spaces that actually allow us to be in flow? If you think about our office environments, we went from, if you were to look three, four years ago, we were all going into offices, whether it be a work office, there was some kind of physical environment that we were continuously in. Then COVID happened and it totally threw us out. We ended up in closets and in hallways of our houses and tucked in these little nooks and crannies. And now we're in a place where we are evening out. Some people are going to the office a few days a week and home other few days. Some are in there entirely in their offices. Some are entirely at home. And I wonder how many of us have physical environments around us that are actually conducive to flow. Flow being the state where we truly are just whatever's coming into our minds, we're allowing it to come out. We aren't judging ourselves. But how many of us have actually created environments where we're supporting ourselves with that process? It took me quite a while to figure out what that meant for me and to not judge what that meant. I actually put a swing up in front of my house. I spent a lot of time in my home office. I put a swing up in front of my home office so I can see it. And going out there, oftentimes I will take my notebook out there and my colored pen. And I don't have a goal. I'm not setting an agenda for that time. 
but I'm giving myself just space so that whatever comes up, comes up. And it doesn't mean that what comes up, I actually have to do something with, but I absolutely get to let it come out and let it flow. For me, it's really important to have a natural environment around me, flowers, uh, places where bees can land. And so I've created that in front of my house. Now I've got a road that's, that's a little bit loud, not too far away from this whole space. That part isn't in my flow. I may have to move to avoid that or to, to just separate myself from it. But I'm aware of that. And I wonder how many of us are asking ourselves these questions of what actually works for us, for me. Because it's really easy to just tuck in and say, okay, whatever, I'll think about that later. I just got to get stuff done. But if you really want to be productive and you want to be quick, because let me tell you, like this process with the book, it went so much faster this time. To get the ideas out on paper, 105 pages worth of writing took nine hours. Do you know how long that took the first time? Now, part of that increase in speed is because we've done it before. But if you follow this process, when you're in flow, you are fast. You are fast. Now, anything that you've heard today so far that you think, okay, I can take this down, I encourage you to have this conversation with the people in your office and ask them, what kind of environment would be best for you to be in flow, to be creative? And they may not know what that is. And so it's about being curious and saying, well, let's be creative here and let's think about the ways that could open that up. I've seen a lot of new office designs that have outdoor environments. I saw one the other day that had a fireplace because they want to entice their employees to come back into the office. So they built an outdoor patio with a fireplace. That's a pretty nice place to be. And does it create a flow for anyone? I don't know. But there's an opportunity to be curious and see. And I think that's the conversation we get to be having. What is the best environment for you to be in flow? That's a question you get to ask each of the people around you, even the members of your family. I mean, this is not a personal or professional thing. This is just a life thing. This is like it's really important for us to know when, where do we work best? And not to judge ourselves for that answer. It may be in a cubicle. That may be the answer. And it's okay. There are times where it's really nice just to be heads down working. That could be flow for you. And that's okay. We're not going to judge it. All right. I have so much more to share with you. We are talking all about the number one idea killer today. And we will carry on this conversation when we get back from the break. You're listening to the Kathleen Recent Show, Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. Talk to you in just a second. Are you enjoying the conversations on the Kathleen Recent Show? Kathleen speaks both in person and virtually at companies, conferences, and retreats all over the world. Learn about booking Kathleen Reeson for your next event at KathleenReeson.com. That's KathleenReeson.com. How wonderful would it be to carry your favorite Inspired Choices Network host with you throughout your day? Well, now you can. Inspired Choices Network now has its very own mobile app. Our free app offers live streaming shows, along with thousands of podcasts and TV episodes. Our shows cover a wide variety of topics. Whether you're waking up with us, 
carrying us through the day and taking us to bed with you. We're always here for you to enjoy. We're easy to find. Just search for Inspired Choices Network in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show here on Inspired Choices Network. I'm your host, Kathleen Reeson, and today we've been talking all about the number one idea killer and how to avoid it. The number one idea killer is judgment. And it's not other people's judgment, it's our judgment. Now, have you ever noticed that if you want to avoid something, you don't want somebody to know about it, you're judging it like it's bad, whatever it is, a thought in your head, something that happened, all you can think about is that one thing. It absorbs your attention until you don't know what else to do with it. And you've made it into this really big thing that, that maybe it isn't even that big of a thing. Yeah, that is us judging whatever's coming up. And then if you just let it out, write it down, share it with somebody else, put it on social media, whatever that is, you just let it out of your head, then it's gone and you don't have to think about it. But oftentimes we don't let ourselves do that. So I'm going to give you a quick tool that I use often and I call it the verbal vomit bucket, verbal vomit bucket. Now there might be some visual that just popped up in your head as I said it. And sorry about that. <laughs> but the verbal vomit bucket, it's a tool that works really well when we're talking about getting through this judgment and not letting it stop you and kill your ideas. So when something's coming up, sometimes do you just need to get stuff out? You need to get these ideas out of your body, but you don't actually want to do anything with them. You just want to put them into the world in a way that's not going to harm somebody else. You don't want to be held to whatever is going to come up and out of you because it's not about that. It doesn't even matter what the words are. So you need a trusted person. This could be a friend, a business partner, somebody that you say, look, I need you to hold my verbal vomit bucket and I don't want you to judge me. I don't even want to talk about what, came, what I'm saying because that's not the point. I just need to get it out. And if that person says, yeah, cool, okay. Then you say, okay. So whatever you hear, it doesn't even matter. I just need you to hold the space for me. What that means, I just need you to be here and listen. Listen to make sure that I'm safe. And then if they are still a yes, you let her rip. Whatever's coming up, oh, this happened, oh my gosh, she's mean, I, and whatever it is, you're not judging your thoughts, you're not judging what you're saying, you're not making them perfect, you're just letting it come out of you over and over and over again, whatever it is. And this person is just standing there. They know that whatever you're saying, however you're acting, it's not about them. It has nothing to do with them. They're just making sure that you are safe, which you are. And then, You'll know when you're done because your body will feel so much lighter. You may want to lay on the ground. You may be heaved over like your hands on your hips or your legs. You might feel like you've actually vomited because it is the act of getting rid of these thoughts that aren't serving you. You just got to get them out. If you don't do something like this, they're going to come out, but they're going to come out in a way that you don't want them to. They're going to come out as anger towards someone that you love. They're going to come out in snide remarks towards people in the office. Never had that happen? Maybe to you or somebody, you've, you've done it to somebody else. If you don't get this stuff out, it just builds up. And so you ask this person to hold your verbal vomit bucket and then you just let her rip. 
And when you're done, you look at them and you say, thank you. And you both move on with your day. That's it. You don't say, oh God, I can't believe I said that. Oh my gosh, that person's so embarrassed. Uh, what am I going to do? You don't judge any of it. You just let her out. You let her rip. And then you move on. That's it. I have used this verbal vomit bucket. I've done it in person. I've done it on Zooms. I've also done it on electronic communication. So Voxer is a tool or WhatsApp. I, I use those quite often where we've got the audio feature. And I have a friend that we, we regularly Voxer back and forth. And I say, on my Voxer, what I need right now is for you to hold the verbal vomit bucket. And he says, yeah, cool, okay. And then I let her rip. I know he's not saving it. Even if he is, it doesn't mean anything, but he's not. And he, I say at the end, thank you for just holding the bucket for me. That, that is really freeing to have this verbal vomit. So I'm going to share something with you. I, sh I shared it with a few people, but it, it's like kind of like my verbal vomit, kind of not. It's one of those things, again, if you've got a story that's at the forefront of your mind or maybe in the back of your mind, you get to share it. So I'm going to say it, and you may think it's a joke at first, but it's actually not. <laughs> it is funny like a joke, but it's not. Okay, so let me ask you. So I'm 40 years old. What is worse than being a 40-year-old getting pulled over for speeding? So think about that. What, what's worse? So you now here you are, the side of the road. The cops are behind you. The lights are flashing. You're on a main road in your town. What is worse than that? Give you a second to think. Well, I'll tell you what's worse. Being a 40-year-old in your dad's car, getting pulled over for speeding while your dad and your son drive by, realize that it's you in his car, does a UE, comes back around, parks in front of the car, gets out, walks back to the police officers and says, it's okay, it's okay, she's my daughter. Now I can laugh about this now. In the moment, if you could see me, this happened. I was like pointing my finger saying, keep going keep going, was totally judging myself. I was not embarrassed that I got pulled apart, pulled over. Here's what happened. We've been swapping cars left and right for the past week because my car had to go in for some work. And then my husband's had the car needs to go in for some work. And so my dad has two cars. My mom passed away. He still has her car and he's got this extra car. He lives not very far away from us. I say, Hey dad, can we borrow your car? He says, no problem. So I go over to get the car. Well, my mom's car has a little more pickup than mine. And my car has these really nice numbers that tell the speed. So there is no doubt what speed you're going. Well, my husband, I just picked up the car. He was not that far ahead of me. And I see, I pull out around the corner and I hit the gas. And all of a sudden I look down and I see, oh, I'm going a little fast. Let me tell you, I earned this experience. I earned this, this ticket going a little fast. And so I start to slow down, come up over this hill and I see this police officer. And I knew in that moment that I was getting a ticket. So I even pull over into the other lane before he even came up behind me and turned on his lights. 
And then I saw him and he turned on his lights and I knew that it was confirmed. I was earning this ticket. Well, then that's when my dad came and he happened to see me and that all happened. So here's the best part. The best part. When my dad gets out of the car and he comes over, the police officer gets out. He goes, this your vehicle? My dad says, yeah, yeah, it is. She didn't steal it. So very clear. And I wasn't sure how he was going to react. He, he thought this was funny. This is like the 16-year-old version of me. Like I stole the family car or something. I don't Anyway, so he comes over and the cop says, well, we're just going to give her two warnings. <laughs> I'm hearing this. I'm like, well, thank yes. I'm only getting a warning. I'm not getting a ticket. I'm getting a warning. Because I had explained it was my mom's car. They're very kind. But here's the thing. I heard the number two and I thought, why am I getting two? Well, the first one was for speeding. The second one, and here's the kicker of it all. The second one was because the insurance information, when I was handing them the insurance, I said, I, I don't know, this is all he has, the most up-to-date one. It's not my car. So you gotta do what you do. Well, his insurance information wasn't up-to-date in the car. And I got a warning for not having the insurance information up-to-date. So I said, well, dad, this one I earned the speeding, but this one you earned, I took one for the team. And so we were all laughing about it, it was funny. But that whole process that I shared with you, there were so many moments where I could have judged myself. And even just sharing this with you now, if you had all laughed or related with me and anything in that whole story, then I did my job of sharing positivity. I did my job of sharing check your registration. I did my job of sharing, watch your speed. But I really, I really got to impact you. But if I was too afraid of judgment of what you might think, because gas, I have a lead foot. That is a well-known fact. <laughs> Maybe you do too and can relate. But either way, what I'm saying is if I was in judgment of myself because of that experience, I never would have shared that with you. And I never would have gotten the reaction out of you that I possibly could have or made an impact that I possibly could have because I wouldn't allow myself to be vulnerable and share that. And so when we're talking about this number one idea killer, vulnerability is such a piece of it because it takes leaders like you, like me, to stand up and share experiences that we may be judging ourselves or we may be afraid that somebody else might judge us. While I'd like to say that I'm perfect and I've never had an actual ticket, that's simply not true. And if you actually look at the statistics, most drivers have some kind of speeding or parking ticket. Now, my dad's registration and his insurance was absolutely paid up. He just didn't have the little form that showed it. He went home and printed it right out. It is in the cars now, let me tell you that. But there's nothing to be embarrassed about. There's nothing to be in judgment about. That's all just a mental game. And if we let that mental game stop us and kill our ideas and kill our thoughts and never put them out into the world, we're not serving anyone, especially not ourselves, especially not the people around us, especially not our family, especially not our friends and not our coworkers, our employees. We're not serving anyone. And so we get to let those ideas flow freely. It's really important that we as leaders be vulnerable and take the lead and share these things. Yes, I got pulled over. Yes, my dad pulled up in front of me. Yes, my dad got out of the car. Yes, my dad ran up to the cops. Yes, my dad said, she's my daughter. 
yes, I wasn't sure if I wanted to hide in the seat or I wanted to just stand up. Cry. I didn't know in the moment. My son certainly thought it was entertaining. And it all happened. And it was how I reacted to it. That's what matters. How I stood in the face of all of this. That's the key. And as leaders, it's our responsibility to define what that looks like and to be the permission for other people to share vulnerably and their stories and not risk judgment for themselves or for other people to know that it's a safe space. You know that you get to be the vomit bucket holder for someone else, but nobody even knows that that exists unless you let them hold your bucket first. You show them what that looks like because when you're willing to do it, when you're willing to risk judgment, when you're willing to move into that space, then other people can too. You're the permission for them. That's how that works. So cool. And yet it's a practice. It's just not something that comes naturally. It's something that we work at, but we can work on it together. We're going to go on a quick break. And when we get back, we will wrap this up. The number one idea killer and how to avoid it because it absolutely can be avoided. You're listening to the Kathleen Reeson Show, Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. We will be back right after this break. Are you enjoying the conversations on the Kathleen Reeson Show? Kathleen speaks both in person and virtually at companies, conferences, and retreats all over the world. Learn about booking Kathleen Reeson for your next event at KathleenReeson.com. That's KathleenReeson.com. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show pushing the boundaries of leadership. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. It's the Kathleen Reeson Show, and I'm Kathleen Reeson, and today we've been talking all about the number one idea killer and how to avoid it, and that is judgment, not of others, but of ourselves. So one of the things that I really encourage you to do is to hold these idea sessions with your team, with yourself and with your team. And whatever the topic is, it doesn't even really matter what the topic is, but pick a topic. Like, how are we going to solve this challenge? How are we going to solve this constraint? Whatever it is, put it up on the board and then let everyone just free flow into ideas. And know that when you start this process, each time, I don't mean when you start using this process, I mean, each time you use this process, the very first ideas that'll come out, they're safe, they're comfortable. They are not wild or crazy, but they're, they're very almost boring. But know that this is something where you got to get deeper. And so you let those come out and you really validate, verify, or like make people feel great for even coming up with any ideas, for speaking up. You know how much courage it takes to raise your hand in an environment, to, to raise your hand and admit that, that you have a question or you have a thought? There's a lot of self-judgment that's happening between your brain and raising your hand and being seen. So let's say that they've broken through that part and they're sharing an idea. You celebrate it like it's the craziest, best idea you've ever seen. And then once you've done this for a little bit, then the ideas start to change. They get a little crazier. They get a little more off the wall. They get a little more uncomfortable. And you're, you're writing them all down. Every single one has merit. doesn't matter if it's even been said before. Put a little tally mark next to it. Two people think that's great. Cool. But every single idea gets acknowledged because it does take courage to share ideas. And so it's really important that we are in the practice of getting these ideas out into the open. The more that we can do that, 
the more comfortable we become in sharing our crazy off the wall ideas. Because remember, the best ideas can come from anywhere. In business, I heard the best line the other day. This guy, was, I was listening to Jack Stack, not the Jack Stack piano or the Jack Stack pancakes. <laughs> Another guy who's in manufacturing, I'm listening to him talk. And he says that really our only job in business is to identify constraints and remove them. Identify constraints and remove them. I thought that was beautiful. Identify constraints and remove them. That's our job. So it doesn't matter what business you're in. If it's identifying constraints and removing them, you've got to be creative in order to remove them. Because if they're constraints you've never seen before, then it's going to take an off-the-wall idea to remove that constraint. Identify constraints and remove them. That's the business we're all in. Identify constraints and remove them. Even if you're a business, like let's say you run a bowling alley. If somebody's constraints is entertainment, I'm bored, I want to bowl. The constraint was I'm bored. We're removing it by having bowling experience. Identify constraints and remove them. If that's the business that we're in, then it requires creativity to make that happen, to remove it. What other kind of experiences can we create at this bowling alley that also bring entertainment? Because that's the constraint that we're removing. If we think about it from that perspective, it absolutely requires creative problem solving. And if we are sitting over here judging ourselves, not letting our best thoughts, our, th our beliefs, our opinions, our actions come up because we're worried about what they might look like, we're judging ourselves, then the world never gets those fun ideas. And if that never happened, guess what would not be in front of us? I wouldn't have this really cool green pen in my hand right now. I certainly wouldn't have an iPhone or for the Droid users or any other, you wouldn't have a phone. I wouldn't have a laptop. You know what, actually writing by notebook, I'd still be doing that because I never would have learned on a computer. I wouldn't have the lights or electricity. We wouldn't have books. Think about what wouldn't be created. So this idea killer, this judgment is something that, that we absolutely get to practice and remove from our filters and just let ideas flow. Use the verbal vomit bucket. It's so important. And yes, it sounds gross, but remember, like you're not actually, there's nothing related to that. They're just ideas and thoughts getting out of our body, cleansing ourselves. It's a really, really powerful kinesthetic exercise. So once you can do that, once you can let those ideas flow, guess what comes up? Crazy off the wall ideas, because you're not sitting here protecting yourself. We have, remember back in June of last year, so it's been an entire year, we talked about how our brains are designed to protect ourselves. That's why if we touch an oven that's hot, we learn very quickly not to touch an oven again. Our brains tell us that that is not what we want to do. And so we are conditioned that way. Just the same as we can condition ourselves to be creative and think freely, but it requires us removing the filter of our own judgment. So very powerful. Now, next week, I have a really exciting show for you. I know I say that every week, but I get really lit up about the opportunities that I get to create for you because I don't have that judgment filter on. So I invited my friend, Carrie Stanley. Carrie is an incredible transformational leadership coach. She's actually been one of my mentors. She taught me the practice and art of surrender. That's it. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about that because that's just a conversation she and I have a lot. 
But what I really find fascinating about her is that she has created an extraordinary life while raising twins, while being single, while having a thriving professional career. And so what she sees is that there are a lot of people, women especially, but in the executive space that choose to put things on hold because of whatever's happening in their life, work life, the personal life, whatever that is, we put things on hold. And she's saying, you don't have to do that. And what would it be like if we all could identify and then create what an extraordinary life for us looked like? So that's where she stands. And I cannot wait until next week where I will get to share her with you. So think about all of the questions that you have about living an extraordinary life. Remember the whole role of business is to identify constraints and remove them. And she's saying, if you could see what an extraordinary life would look like for you, no holds barred, what would it look like? And what are the constraints that are in the way? Because we'll just remove the constraints. Sounds so simple, but she's got some tools and practices that she'll share with you next week that will actually make that a lot easier. So very excited for Carrie and what she's up to. Now, if the stuff that I talk about on the show that you appreciate, you want to hear more about that space of leadership and how emotional intelligence and leadership really combine and how we can move forward to create exactly what you want, let me know. I am a growth strategist. It's one of my favorite places to play. And it quite simply means uh, you are here and you want to be here. What is in the way? I work with a lot of professional service organizations to figure out how we can apply that to their organizations and create exactly what they want by removing those constraints. So it's a lot of fun. And I encourage you to reach out. You can reach out to me via email, Kathleen at KathleenReason.com. I do respond to my own emails. So please reach out. Let me know. What do you enjoy about the show? What would you like to hear more of? Who would you like to see on the show? We bring guests on some weeks and some weeks to just share information and topics that I know and enjoy speaking about. So let me know. Feedback is always welcome. That's a principle I live by. I know it's one we've talked about on the show quite a bit. Today, I am here reminding you that the number one idea killer is our own judgment, not the judgment of others we're concerned about, but our own judgment, our own judgment of ourselves. And you can absolutely avoid that. But first, you get to be the example for yourself. You get to demonstrate it, and then you get to show others in your care how to do that. So thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. I come here every single Monday. You're listening to The Kathleen Reeson Show pushing the boundaries of leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. I'll see you next Monday. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. Kathleen Reeson will return next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Mountain, and 8 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Have a great week.